You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Good day, podcast listeners. Randy Bolander here on the Third Cup of Coffee, and we are glad that you have joined us. Bit of a different recording today. Rather than teaching, I'm going to be answering some questions, and I can explain that. Normally, I play the recording from the teaching of Sunday morning. However, what we did on Sunday morning didn't really lend itself well to an audio recording. We did something. It was, it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so we build it our Thanksgiving special. There's an old youth pastoring trick. If you're going to do something you've never done before, give it a big preposterous name. And that way, if it works, that's, that's awesome. And if it doesn't work, well, it's still funny because you named it something big and then it just turned out to be what it was. Well, this actually turned out to fit the bill. It was both Thanksgiving and it was special. This is what we did. I taught for about five or six minutes on the nature of gratitude, what it means to rejoice with others and why we would want to do that. And then we took about an hour and 10 minutes. And I had asked 10 different people to share their hearts a little bit, what they have learned in 2020, what they're grateful for. And it was phenomenal. I mean, there were tears, there was depth. It was really, really a good Sunday morning as we learned from one another. However, it didn't really lend itself well to an audio recording. It's on YouTube if you want to find it. Search my name. It's all there. But I didn't want to necessarily play that today. So in light of that, in light of the fact that my voice is a little bit weak, uh, we're going to touch on four questions, possibly quickly, but I don't know how many times I've said quickly and it's turned out not to be. But four questions that we got today from Instagram. Some came in after we hit the button and started recording, but we're just going to go with the four that, that we got in under the wire and maybe get to the others another time. Question number one, I always get questions about my family. Every time I open this, this gate, questions come in about my family. What Christian traditions do you do with the kids? Advent? Countdown? Nada? What do you do? What are your traditions with the kids? Now, I know how emotional people feel about their own Christmas traditions, okay? And I'm going to quote Brian McLaren here when he was asked about something far more controversial than this. He said, no matter how I answer this question, I know I have friends who are going to be very sad. Now, he was ducking a very hard question. I'm not ducking a hard question. I'm just saying that however I answer this, some of you are going to be disappointed because people get very emotionally attached to the way they do Christmas. And there is such a range in Christmas traditions. If you're familiar with the church, you understand there is high church and there is low church. High church Lots of liturgy, lots of tradition, lots of formality. Low church, the kind of place where Sister Sally may decide to sing a special in the middle of the service. And she would be allowed. Now, some of you grew up high church. Many of you grew up in the middle. I grew up low church. It was just different. And we didn't do a lot of the things that high or even mid church does. We never did Advent. We never did the candles. We never did uh, a Christmas Eve service. Uh, we had our own traditions. Our traditions involved a reenactment of Christmas night, and usually most of the shepherds all had cowboy boots on because they were just kids that got drafted into the play. And then when it was over, as we would walk out, uh, the church had prepared Christmas bags for everyone, and you would get a little bag that would have like some peanuts and an orange and you know, maybe some M&Ms or something all crammed into a, a like a lunch bag and everybody wanted to get one. Some of you are listening to me and like, did you grow up in Appalachia? Did you get like coal for Christmas? No, no, no. It's just different. Okay. 
but it's just a tradition. Here's the heartbreaking thing for some of you. That sack of peanuts and an orange was every bit as biblical as Advent. Advent is not mandated by Scripture. It's historic, but so was the sack with the peanuts. We've done that for a while. That was historic. Advent is not anti-biblical. It's extra-biblical. And so we don't do Advent, not because we're against it, but we just really have never done it. We talk through it once in a while. We'll talk about the days coming up to Christmas and what it means. But let's be honest, we don't even have Christmas Day right. Chances are, some of you are going to hate me for this, chances are Jesus was born in October. And so anyway, all that to say, a lot of the traditions that maybe some of you have grown up with and are very dear are things that at some point somebody said, you know what, let's just do a little pageant. And it kind of got out of hand. And here you are hundreds of years later, and I've offended you because you love Advent. And it, and I'm not saying it's not beautiful or that you haven't grown from it. It's all good. It's all good. We, we just don't do it. I wasn't, wasn't raised that way. We do talk about the coming of Jesus. We do talk about Christmas, about what it means. We don't assign a mythical value to those days. Like I said, we don't even have the day right. Here is our standard tradition. These are the things we always do. New pajamas on Christmas Eve. Everybody gets new pajamas. Might not seem like a big deal to you, but there's a lot of pajamas at our house. Then uh, Christmas Eve, we will open our stockings, Christmas stockings, and those are crammed full of little things that mom and dad were going to buy anyway. We just wrapped them up and put them in the stockings. You know, I mean, those are like little trinkets and not trinkets, but things like a new toothbrush and um, just odd stuff like that. There's just the fun of opening something, but there's, there's really not a whole lot there. Just things they needed, socks, that kind of stuff. Then Christmas day, we get up and we open presents. That's kind of what Christmas looks like. Obviously, yes, we talk through the meaning of it, but we don't do a lot of the high church traditions just because it's not the way that, that we came up. Don't hate. It's the way it is. I only say don't hate because I've deeply angered people who, um, realized that I didn't know how to do Advent very well. Sorry. Question number two, ever thought about writing a Bible study or have you already? Hmm. I haven't thought about it, but I've done a ton of it. Now, this is what I mean. When I teach on a weekend, which is usually formed around, particularly around scripture, not an idea. I don't, I very rarely go with an idea and find scripture. It's almost always we start with scripture. When I do that, generally my notes are in a script format. Now, I don't read it word for word, but I've written it at some point. And so, in a way, I have done that. However, have I thought about publishing them? Not really. Um, I, I just haven't. Uh, it's not the way. I think I can, when I speak, I can lead people to an aha moment, which is what I think you need to do with a Bible study, is I think you need to lead them to discover the Scripture. And uh, when I speak, I seem to be able to do that. I don't know that I can do that when I write, even though I'm speaking things that I've already written, if that makes sense. Probably not. I can write to move people and I can speak to aha moments, but I don't, can't always do both at the same time. It takes a really special skill to lead people on their own discovery, and I'm not really sure that's my jam. I'd like to be able to do it, but I don't think I can do it very well. See, that's two questions already. This is going to be short, except the last two are bigger. How do you move forward in obedience to God when you're not sure what to do? How do you move forward in obedience to God when you're not sure what to do? Now, great little phrase in that question, in obedience to God, okay? That's what you're looking to do. Whatever I want to do, I want to be obedient, 
but I'm not sure how. God is not a tyrant, and you are not held accountable for missing instructions that he did not give you. In other words, if you want to be obedient to God and you want to do what he tells you, the first part of that is he's got to tell you. Like you've got to have some understanding of what he is asking you to do. So don't get caught in that idea of, oh, I don't want to miss God. I don't. God is the best communicator in the world and is fully able to explain to you what he would have you do next. Don't get caught up in the angst of, I don't know what to do next and I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. You're not going to miss it. He's going to speak to you. Now, how does he speak to you? That's a whole different question. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for him to speak to you, be faithful to what you know you are supposed to do, which is often totally unrelated to your job. People ask me this, this form of some, some form of this question often, and it's almost always related to their professional career. And I'm not saying that the Lord does not care or does not have a desire for your professional career. I'm sure he does. However, he's got bajillion things other than your professional career that he has spoken to you clearly about. And if you continue in faithfulness in those things, are you studying the scripture? Are you being discipled? Are you discipling someone else? Are you speaking into other people's lives? Are you practicing generosity? So many of those things you can get totally right. And the career is just like whatever it is. That's just what you go do for a while. How do you move forward in obedience to God when you're not sure what to do? Put your head down, do the things you know he has asked you to do, and plow forward until he makes a way clear. And he will. He's a great communicator. Question number four. I told you this was going to be quick. What challenges do you anticipate for 2021? I'm not really sure if they were asking me on the micro or the macro level. So I'll unpack both of those for a second. What are the challenges that I anticipate for 2021 on the micro level, meaning personally? What do I think about? Um, I think a lot about what is next for the bridge. Turns out there is no handbook for planting a church in 2020 or 2021. Uh, that book is not, we are writing it. I mean, not literally, but we're living out this calling to which there is not a lot of great advice at hand. Nate Edwardson, who pastors in Northern California, posted a picture the other day of a t-shirt that says, I pastored in 2020 and I have no idea how it went. And that's actually true. It's been just such a strange time. So I think one of my biggest challenges that I anticipate for 2021 is just to figure out what direction the bridge goes. There's no handbook for this. And uh, what that means in the way of public meetings is yet to be seen. And I think to get very dogmatic about it and to lay down a very tightly written script for the next year would be very frustrating and ultimately disappointing. And at some point, you just have to lean back and trust the Lord. So on the micro, that's one of the challenges I anticipate. I also anticipate uh, challenges in how we manage school for our kids, like everybody else does. You know, we maybe do it on a little bit bigger scale, but it's the same concerns that everybody else has. I also face challenges on how to keep authentic engagement with people, uh, relationships, due to COVID, due to uh, some distancing and some other factors. It's been a challenge in the last year to sort out who is near you in heart and who is not. And the Lord's been faithful, and I have been um, 
how do I say this? I've been deeply encouraged to find people who have come alongside us in the last year, deeply encouraged. But I think that will remain a challenge, not because of people's sake, but simply because of the day that we live in. Uh, I think um, all of us are going to struggle with that. So that's the micro challenges for 2021. Macro challenges. What are challenges that the entire world, or at least our corner of the world, is going to face? I think uh, mental health challenges on the horizon are going to be astronomical. We are going to be looking at a generation of young people living with massive disappointment because they had their life planned out at 18, 19, 20, 21, and that plan kind of got sidetracked. And I think the disappointment just sucks the air out of people. And I think we'll see a lot of mental health challenges. I think we'll see economic challenges in 2021, particularly among churches, because people are disconnecting. They're encountering the Lord in different ways, and they're engaging with one another in different ways. And so the old model of collecting finances and dispersing things, it's just, it's going to shift around. Um, and a lot of churches are going to shift around. You know, in the 1990s, the hope was among some church planters to have a church in every movie theater across America. And there were a lot of churches started in movie theaters and still are great churches uh, that started that way and still continue that way. In 2021 and beyond, I would say for the next maybe 10 years, the challenge will not be, can we have one in every theater? The question will be, can we have a church in every church? I think they'll be shifting around. I think there'll be some churches who no longer meet in their buildings. I think there will be other churches that meet in those buildings. And it's going to be an interesting test of our hearts. Now, I do believe that there are great opportunities for life-giving churches going forward. When you have a culture that is struggling and you have an entity that has been entrusted with the answer, which is the gospel of Jesus, that's an opportunity. That's not just a challenge. I mean, there's something great to be gained there. And I was driving the kids to school the other day, just kind of praying. And as I dropped them off, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, 2021 will be full of days of great opportunity. Like even in the pressure, even in the difficulty, even in the challenges, there's going to be great opportunity for an entity that can speak life into a culture that feels like it's having the life sucked out of it because everything is so disrupted. Remember, it's only disruption to those who can't imagine life any differently. But disruption always creates opportunities for those with new ideas and for those who hear the voice of the Lord. So I'm encouraged, strangely. I mean, I recognize the challenges, but I think for those that uh, maybe don't have a box to think in, our finest days are coming. I really, really believe that. I will be back to normal teaching this weekend, and so we'll have teaching next week. If uh, you don't want to wait and you're free to join us, join us at The Bridge on Sunday morning. We are online right now. It just seems to be the safest thing, and it's working for us-ish. I'm not saying I love it. I'm just saying it works for us. You can go to thebridgekc.church. That's thebridgekc.church, and there's a link there. You can join us on Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., and uh, we do some teaching. Just enjoy spending some time together. And we'll keep you posted on what public meetings look like, hopefully in days to come. Hope you have a great day. We will talk to you next week.
on the third cup of coffee.